Hello. Thank you for downloading this sermon by Pastor Casey Helenchek. Casey is a missionary pastor with Village Missions. Currently, Casey and his wife Hope and their six children serve the Bangor Community Church and the surrounding area of Bangor, California. Village Missions exists to glorify Jesus Christ by developing spiritually vital community churches in rural North America. We now invite you to open your Bibles and journey with us. Good morning. Morning. Uh, go ahead and grab your Bibles with me this morning, uh, if you will, and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, we are going to take a break this morning from our series through the Gospel of Luke. And uh, we're going to look at God's design for the local church and what our role in that is and, and what role Village Missions plays in that as well. So, uh, who here has heard the name Village Missions? All right. Who here has a general idea of what Village Missions does? Okay. Uh, who here uh, knows exactly who they are and what they do? A couple of us. All right. So one of the things that Village Missions does is they ask once a year for us to, to come up and, and as part of one of our Sundays, talk about who they are, what they do, their mission uh, and, and their relationship to this church. So, uh, Village Mission's mission statement is that they exist to produce spiritually vital churches in rural North America. That's, those of you that were here recently when Richard was speaking, that's, he, he mentioned that as well. Uh, they provide uh, pastors to churches in rural America that otherwise um, would not be able to bring in a pastor or uh, keep a pastor or whatnot, and they maintain those relationships with those churches over time. Uh, Bangor here has been served for, what, close to 60 years now uh, by Village Missions. Um, so a long-standing relationship here. Um, the text I want us to read this morning uh, will show us what it means to become a spiritually vital church in our community. Uh, and so we're going to read from Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, verses 11 through 16. Uh, I do encourage you to grab your Bibles and follow along with me. I'll be reading out of the English Standard Version. Uh, Though more important than which translation you read along with is that you are, in fact, reading for yourself what the Word of God says. Uh, So Paul, writing to the church in Ephesus, uh, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writes, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes." Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. May God bless the reading of his holy word. Uh, The first thing I see in this passage is that God has given us all the things that we need, people, gifts, each other, uh, everything that we need to grow the local church into a spiritually uh, vital 
uh, church. Printing went weird. It's on different pages now. Sorry. Uh, A lot of people uh, think, uh, a lot of people, especially outside the church, think that uh, the job, everything, uh, every job inside the church is the pastor's job. And it's the pastor's job to grow and build the church. Uh, But we see is that God has given the church more than just the pastor. Uh, As the pastor, I have very specific purposes, very specific things that God has called me to. And he lays that out very clearly in scripture. And I will be held accountable to the things that he has called me to. But it is not solely the pastor's responsibility to grow and build the church. It is each and every one of our responsibilities. Now, we're going to talk about what it means to to, to build and grow the church and as we go through this. But specifically, it is the church who helps the church grow. I've been around churches where new people have come into a church. Sometimes they're there for a day. Sometimes they're around for a couple weeks. Sometimes a couple of months. Uh, but they leave because of someone or someones in that church. At one church, we had uh, many families start coming into the church. Young families with kids. Exactly what that church said that they wanted. Only the inner influencers at that church chased away every single family that walked through that door. They, the families didn't dress or live the way that they were supposed to according to those, that group. The kids didn't sit down and stay quiet through the service. And they didn't stand quietly off to the side after service while the adults talked. The church actively whether purposely or not, stopped that church from growing, both spiritually, health-wise, and numerically. Now, the other option uh, is that we see is that people come into these church doors, and the people in the church help them stay. Bring them in. Welcome them. Make them feel like church is, is, is happy for them to be here. Help them to hear the gospel and to grow in maturity of Jesus Christ. To make them see that they are loved and prayed for and cared for from the very beginning. And that is the responsibility of every person in this room. One of the things that Ephesians 4 makes clear both in in our passage this morning and back in uh, verses 3 through 6 is that the unity of the church is absolutely vital to the church being spiritually vital. You know, unity is one of those things that we've, we've talked a lot about and prayed for uh, quite a bit in my uh, two and a half plus years that I've been here. Uh, unity is something that we are continually striving to get better at. Uh, we are a community church. We are not a specific denomination. Uh, we hold the Bible up as our standard. Uh, and with that, people from all different theological backgrounds and no theological backgrounds uh, are, are welcome to come in and to take part in the church. We're not going to agree on all the different details, uh, and we don't have to. You hear me say it often, but it bears repeating often, unity is not uniformity. We need to hear that. We don't all have to believe all of the same things. We don't all have to live the same life. We don't all have to have a, a look a certain look. We don't have to all be Uh, the same. We have to believe and be united in one thing, and that is Jesus Christ. We have one core set of beliefs that classifies a Christian as a Christian. We are saved by the grace of God alone. That grace is poured out 
through the gift of God called faith. And it is through that faith alone in the one and only Jesus Christ alone, fully man, fully God, living a sinless, perfect life, dying a death in our place as a penalty for our sins. It is through that faith in Jesus Christ that he reconciles us to God the Father and grants us eternal forgiveness and eternal life in the kingdom of heaven. We believe that this is revealed only through the word of God alone, that the word given to us by the scriptures uh, that we have combined uh, into what we have and is known as the Bible. None of this is or can be deserved by us. It is done for the glory of God alone and by the glory and holiness of God alone. That is a core set of beliefs that makes a Christian a Christian. We believe that that core group of beliefs, uh, we believe that, and everything else is secondary. We believe those core beliefs and can rightfully, uh, if we believe those core beliefs, and we can rightfully call ourselves Christians. We believe those core beliefs and we are united as a church family and as the chosen children of God. We are united in our standing before God. We are justified by faith. We are justified through Christ's perfect righteousness. And we are united in that we are all disciples of Christ. We use that that word disciples very specifically as well. Um, You know, the new Village Missions Executive Director, John Adams, uh, he poses the question uh, to to, uh, this passage. He says, do you think like Jesus, respond like Jesus, And trust God like Jesus does. We are disciples of Jesus Christ. That is the lifelong goal for all of us. To think like Jesus, to respond like Jesus, and to trust God like Jesus. God is always offering us opportunities to grow in that. He's always offering us opportunities to see uh, where we fall short in that. Not to condemn us for falling short on that, but to give us the opportunity to see the work that he is doing in us and to help us grow in that. We can't do it alone. We were never meant to do it alone. We were meant to do it here as a a family, as a community. Paul makes it clear in Ephesians that the church is to be no Christian left behind. He says, we build up the body until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Jesus Christ is our standard. We cannot and we will not meet that standard here in this lifetime, but we work towards that and we desire for that progress. The Holy Spirit works in us and if we are truly God's children, we will see continual growth and maturing over our lifetime. We will see it in each other as well. And of course it won't be like a rocket just straight up, you know, one line continually getting better. Uh, Instead, our sanctification is much more like the stock market. There are ups and downs as we go through our walk with Christ. There are times that we trip and fall and times we pick ourselves back up. There are times that we get tripped and times that others help pick us up. But if you look at the big picture, we will see that it is always with the ups and downs trending upwards and trending towards that maturity and that unity in the faith. We work together walking with each other from the beginning of our walk with Christ from the very beginning we don't start immediately mature 
You know, the, the Bible uses that, that imagery often that we are children when we come to Christ. John? Yeah. Yeah. He can't walk yet. He can't speak yet. He doesn't know all the things he's going to learn over the next however many years that he's going to be with us. You know, I think of how much my kids learn in the first couple of years, the first two years, the first five years, the first ten years. And they don't stop learning. We don't stop learning. We don't stop maturing. But we start at an immature, childlike part, place. And most of us are in the same boat. I know when I became a Christian, I knew very little of the Bible. I, I grew up Catholic. I had a few you know, Sunday school lessons and different things like that. But, but the overarching theme in the, in the church, in the Catholic church, was that I didn't need to read it because the priest was going to tell me what it said. The things I needed to know, he was going to tell me. So I didn't need to read it. And so when I became a Christian, I didn't know a lot about what the Bible said. And I realized that if I was going to claim to believe it, I had to actually go back and read it to see what I believed. Novel concept, I know. Most of us were in the same boat. Some of us might have studied it beforehand and had a pretty good grasp on what it said before we became Christians. Not most of us. And And I know that. The foundation of the Word of God was not set in us at that point. And so as we start our walk with Christ, we are susceptible to false teachings. We are susceptible to to passion and persuasive abilities to deceive. We are susceptible to those that would play off of our emotions and to to take us down the wrong path, that would tell us what we want to hear and give us what looks like the golden path to what we want. We already have a natural human tendency to believe what we already agree with. We have a natural human tendency to believe what we want to believe instead of to believe what is true. We see this all the time. You have a a Bible teacher, a a pastor online, or or an author that you really enjoy their, their books about the Bible. Be careful. Because we tend to put on our blinders when we when we look at those teachers and those authors. Because many times they're good, or, and, and, but we ignore the unbiblical that's in there. Or oftentimes they will start sound, start very biblical, and then over the course of time they will go down a path uh, and bring in unbiblical teachings. Uh, and we ignore those problems because we put on our blinders to these people, uh, and we ignore the problems with the new teaching. And if we're confronted to it, we can point to the old teaching and see, no, see, they're sound. They're biblical. It doesn't matter what the new stuff is. My point is one of the first things I learned is that if there is anyone that you let teach you or influence you and you cannot find anything that you disagree with them on, you just made them an idol in your life. We know what the Bible says about idols and false worship. So be careful. Focus on the Bible. Focus on the Bible in context. Focus on learning and knowing his word. That's how we get to know Jesus. That's how we get to grow close to him. John Adams makes the point that the better you know Christ, the more entrusted every area of life is to his will, the less likely you will be deceived. So know and trust his word. Be sensitive to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, but be cautious. Only Jesus had one, a 100% true belief system. We only get to to see a diminishing percentage of error in our beliefs. As we grow, the error leaves 
the truth comes in, but we never get to 100% until we're going to be with him for eternity. The more we know God's word, the more we can speak the truth to others. You know, we've all been on both the giving and the receiving end of speaking truth in a very unloving way. We unfortunately, we see it too often. I see it around here more often than I like. Uh, I've been guilty of it myself more than I would like. Uh, We don't always realize that we are doing this when we do it, though. So I want to say that if I have spoken truth to you or spoken anything to you, for for that matter, in an unloving way, I am sorry. This is something that we are continuing to strive on, continuing to work on, that we are to speak to each other the truth, but we are to speak truth to each other in love. Paul here is, is talking more about just the words that come out of our mouth, though. The word used for truth here is a verb. It basically means that we are to be truthing in love. That means that it, it, it encompasses our words, of course, how we talk to each other. That's the first thing uh, that we'll look at, and it's the first thing that we'll, we'll see in ourselves. But it encompasses our actions. It encompasses our attitudes, even when we're quiet. Uh, it encompasses our whole lifestyle, living out truth and love. And again, I know that we can all agree Uh, that God gives us plenty of opportunities to improve in this area. Plenty of opportunities to see where we didn't quite get it right and to, to improve in that and to build unity. If we have truth without love, we have hurt feelings, we have anger, we have uh, shut down and and so much more. And if we have so-called love without truth, we have pretty lies. We give false hope and we see this uh, these two extremes in the, in the many portrayals of Christianity in our culture. Christians are often portrayed, uh, are often only portrayed one of two ways. First is that they are portrayed as bigoted, closed-minded, hate-filled protesters that say that everyone except for them is going to hell. Now, there's some truth in that only in regards to that we need to repent of our sins when we come to Christ. And rejecting Christ and embracing our sins will unfortunately lead us down the road to eternity in hell. So we need to be able to share that with people so that they know what's coming. But we don't share it that way. Because there's not... When you share it that way, there's, it, it leaves out the truth that you think you're sharing. And all it does is... is give, it, it takes away hope. It takes away love. It takes away the willingness to hear the truth. Uh, The other portrayal is those that that claim that none of that matters. That everyone gets to go to heaven or as long as you're a nice person, you get to go to heaven. Or that all religions lead down the same path towards heaven. This is, is what looks like love, but there's no truth in that. Jesus makes the claim, the true claim, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And the only way to the Father is through Him. We can't have it both ways. Truthing in love can and will be hard. But that's what God calls His church to. And it's a sign of spiritual maturity. Paul is showing us what God has called His church to look like. To discipleship. To truthing in love. To unity in Christ to growing in maturity, to using our gifts to build up the saints and to do the work of God's kingdom. Gifts that God has given the church. 
pastors and teachers to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. You guys, you guys are the saints. You, if you are a child of God, if you are a Christian, you are a saint. New Testament calls you a saint. And so you are the saints. You are here to do the work of the ministry. To walk and to grow with each other. To make Bangor Community Church a spiritually vital church. To determine what this church looks like. How it acts. And how it is seen in the community. If you are here, you are here because God has called you here very specifically in this very moment to be here right now. And if you are called here by God, then you have a vital role to play in this church. You are here, uh, if you are here because God has called you here, then you are here uh, and you are responsible to use your gifts for the betterment of the church. You play a vital role in making this a spiritually vital church in our rural community. First, and I'm not talking chronologically, but first, we make ourselves and our church family more spiritually mature. We walk together and grow and act more and more Christ-like. We gather together, we worship together. I said it recently, I'll say it again this week, a common anthem over the last six months with, with COVID and the church shutdowns and all that, uh, the anthem is that the church is not the building, it's the people. And that's true, but it's not the entire truth. The word that is used for, for church in the New Testament means gathering. And so more accurately, the church is not the building. It is the gathering of God's people. We gather to preach the gospel. We learn and teach and study the word of God. We sing up our praises and our, we lift up our prayers. We gather together as a church family to bring glory to God. And we preach the word second thing we do we love the people we look out from this church we look out from the building we look at the community around us we look at our friends and our families we look at our co-workers and all those that we know that don't know Jesus Christ how many of our prayers Wednesday mornings how many of our prayers that are often shared here Sunday morning are friends family co-workers whoever that don't know Christ each and every one of us is responsible for showing, more importantly, telling those that we know about the good news of the gospel. Each and every one of us is responsible for praying for our friends, neighbors, loved ones. And the Bible says that we are responsible for praying for our enemies and those who don't like us uh, as well. We are to love the people. You know, when we first looked at Village Missions, one of the models that they had, I fell in love with. And I cling to this, and I use it as one of my guides, and you guys uh, hear it in my sermons often. Uh, they say our job as village missionaries, we are to preach the word and love the people. Those are our two jobs, all boiled down to in a nutshell. And that's what I just described. Preach the word, love the people. Someone asked this week, if we don't pray for Bangor, who will? And there's so much truth in that question. In rural communities across the, world, across the country, rural communities are forgotten places. If you've never been in Butte County and you've never been in Bangor, how many people in this country have heard of Bangor? Pretty much nobody unless you know somebody from here. Most rural communities, the non-hyperbolic answer to that question is outside of their own community, literally no one will be praying for them. 
That's one of the benefits of Village Missions. It is an organization. It is a web of churches in rural communities that can and do pray for each other. People that would have never, ever otherwise heard of Bangor are praying for you each and every week, praying for you individually, praying for this church, praying for the ministry in this community. In our bullet, and, and Village Missions makes it easy, too. In our bulletin each week, I mentioned the Picklesmeyers this morning. In our bulletin each week is a Village Missionary of the Week. And it lists a little bit about their rural community. And it lists prayer requests for them. We were in it at the beginning of June. That was us. And it cycles through. And I, I think with the amount of Village Missionaries we have right now, it's probably every five years that we're spotlighted. Uh, something like that. But every week there is another uh, village missionary in another rural community that nobody would have heard of that we get to pray for and we get to lift up. Uh, they include in their communications, Village Missions does, the stories in the, from the field. Those are the little, little pamphlets we have on the back table. And I, I have a back back table back there uh, with a whole bunch of, of material. And these are, are stories sent in by village missionaries about the work that God is doing in those fields. This way you can see and pray, uh, see how to pray for them and see the answer to those prayers. Uh, their quarterly newsletter called Country Matters gets sent out as well. We usually get about 10 of those a month that we put on the, the back tables and whatnot. Take those and, and, and read through those. Uh, they, they talk about a variety of things, usually uh, a different thing each month. This most recent one talks about the retirement, the executive director, Brian Wexler, and the new director, John Adams. Talks about their service, their faithful ministry in Village Missions over the last 20, 30, 40 years. Where they got to where they are now. The faithfulness of God in that ministry. As, as I mentioned, the table in the, in the back, back, back there, uh, you'll see the, the work in progress map that I've put, I've put up, that I've got going on. And this is a map of all of the village missions fields throughout the country. Or it will be when it's done. Uh, um, these are rural and, and in some cases formerly rural communities. Because uh, sometimes life builds up around you. You're no longer rural. You look up, these used to all be fields. And now there's strip malls and restaurants and whatnot. Uh, but these are rural communities that are all connected through village missions. They pray for each other. They know and they share the unique challenges that come with rural ministry. They know the struggles and the blessings. They know the opportunities. They know the joy of seeing friends and families come to know the Lord, to walk through that door when you never would have thought that that would have happened. We pray faithfully, but with some of our family members, some of our friends, we don't actually think that it's going to happen. And then one day it does. And so these fields know the joy of seeing that happen. And so they can pray with us in that and celebrate with us in that. And they know the heartache of seeing families destroyed in rural communities, communities torn apart, and churches torn apart by disunity. And so they know how and where to pray for those situations as well. If you wonder if there's anyone outside of Bangor praying for us, there is. There are 230 communities throughout North America that Village Mission serves. 230 communities that they serve, plus other numerous uh, communities that receive the Village Mission's material. And so it's not just the community. They send it out to get as wide of a reach as they can so that all these people 
that would have never heard of Bangor are praying for Bangor Community Church. That is one of the the biggest benefits that Village Missions has. When you feel like you're alone, when you feel like there's nobody outside of this area that, that cares or that is praying or that is heard, there is. Praying for the saints, for each and every one of us to build up the body of God's church. Remember, Paul tells the Ephesians, no family member left behind until we all attain the unity of the faith. We sow the seed of the gospel. We go out and we make disciples. We preach the word and love the people. We do that and God grows his church. In the book of Acts, it says that God added to his church daily. If we do God's work, if we use the gifts that God gave us to use for the building up of the body of Christ, our local church, Bangor Community Church, will grow into a spiritually vital, spiritually healthy church. And God's church, the universal church, will grow in numbers. God will bring the increase. We sow the seeds and he brings the growth. Now numerically, this may or may not affect our local church. But we know that his church will increase. His people will come to know him. And the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. After I pray, I've got a few Village Missions uh, videos I want to try to play. We'll see how technology works this morning uh, and does that. Um, but there's a couple in there that I want to I play for you guys. Uh, and then we'll go ahead and, and uh, finish up and enjoy some great fellowship time with the potluck. Uh, Father, I thank you that you have provided so many different methods, so many different means, so many different opportunities to serve you. We think of uh, this local church here serving a community of uh, uh, less than a thousand people in town and, and the surrounding communities and how important it is. This light on a hill And we thank you for places like Village Missions that that recognize and see churches like this. Because there's more churches like this than anybody knows. And many of them are struggling. And many of them are are in need of support or in need of prayer or in need of encouragement or in need of, of pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Lord, we thank you for all that you have done that you know you will call your people to you and they will hear your voice and they will come running. We thank you for allowing us to be a part of that. We lift up all of our praises, all of our prayers in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Bangor Community Church. You can find us at facebook.com forward slash B-A-N-G-O-R Community Church C-A, all one word. If you would like to connect with Pastor Casey, please hop on over to CaseyHolenchuk.com. That's C-A-S-E-Y-H-O-L-E-N-C-I-K.com. Thank you and God bless. Thank you again for listening and joining us on our journey through God's word. If you've listened this far and believe in our ministry or us as a family, please consider partnering with us. We would be honored to know that you are praying with and for us. 
If you feel compelled to give through financial support, information on how and where to give can be found at kcholunchik.com slash giving. Thank you and God bless.